Hey friends, if you wish you weren't hearing an ad right now, then straight after you listen to this episode, head over to curiositystream.com slash not overthinking. For less than $15 a year, you get access to thousands of high quality documentaries on CuriosityStream, and you'll also get a special link to our podcast feed with all of the ads taken out. My name is Ali, I'm a doctor and YouTuber. I'm Taymor, I'm a data scientist and writer. And you're listening to Not Overthinking, the weekly podcast where we think about happiness, creativity, and the human condition. Hello, welcome to another episode of Not Overthinking. It's great to be back on the podcast after our bit in between episode last week where we had some technical difficulties. Some technical difficulties. I'm, uh, I'm not quite sure there were technical difficulties, but uh... <laughs> we had some difficulties, but we're back. Uh, and today we actually have a very special guest. We have our friend Omar from secondary school. Hello. Hi. Thank you for having me, guys. Pleasure to be here. <laughs> great to have you with us. How are you doing this week, Ali? Yeah, I'm doing great. Uh, today was actually my birthday. So we had some people over at the house. Omar came all the way from Wales. Omar, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do, your background, some just that sort of stuff? Okay. Um, so my name is Omar. Um, I've known Ali and Tame for about 10 years now, since the early days of secondary school. Um, and we've had some similarities in our paths in life. Uh, we're both medics. I'm a doctor currently working in Wales. And yeah, I'm enjoying it. Yeah, good fun. And happy birthday, Ali. Uh, <laughs> it was an excellent party. I'm always happy to see you, my friend. Great stuff. Brilliant. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. Thanks, man. <laughs> so, Tamer, what's the topic for this week? So, this week, I'd like to talk about comfortable silences, or rather, awkward silences and comfortable silences. I think that this is something that I often find myself thinking about whenever I meet someone new or after like a social occasion, like a party, like this evening, for example. Um, there's often, yeah, I find there's often a, a point where you're in conversation with someone and then there's a lull where no one is saying something. Um, and I think this is really interesting because, I, yeah, I mostly find these moments terrifying. I hate these silences in the middle of conversations. Um, and I'm not quite sure why. Um, so we had just had a bunch of people around uh, around the house this evening. Did you guys have any awkward silences with anyone? Um, yeah, I'm. I'm. I met a lot of new people tonight. Um, they were mainly your friends, Ali and Tame. Um, but I found that I find these awkward silences are actually necessary to to create comfort between the two of you. You don't want to feel like you're forcing a conversation because conversations are always going to have silences. It's just how they are. Um, and I think it just makes you seem like a, more of a normal person and not you're not trying too hard, essentially. Wait, so you're, so, you're saying that the, the silences that you had in between you and the people you met this evening, they weren't awkward, but they actually made you more comfortable with each other? They're awkward but necessary in a way to get to that level of comfort because you're not trying to force a conversation you're basically letting each the each other think of something to say essentially ah okay so it's like a necessary evil um yeah you can see it in that way yeah okay i don't know i'm not sure how much i buy that to be honest um i think the whole awkward silences thing might just be one of those things that we are perhaps convincing ourselves is a necessary evil when it really doesn't have to be. So for example, I've been in several conversations where I've I've left those thinking, oh wow, that was a really great conversation. And those ha have, haven't have felt like they've had awkward silences in them. And I think you can get to know someone without having 
having to go through that step of of the awkward silence. And like even today at this at this birthday party where I knew everyone fairly well, I still noted some awkward silences in the in, in the interactions that I was having. And like I was sort of thinking while we were having those lulls in the conversation that okay, what comes next? And I wonder if there's any way we can think of to deal with the whole lull awkward silence thing. I think before we think about dealing with it, I think it's worth trying to like figure out why why is it so uncomfortable? Why why are these silences awkward? I my theory is that I mean I think the way I approach social interactions is that I need to somehow be providing value to the other person, right? Um, and the way to provide value is primarily through what you're saying to them and you know what they're saying to you. And so if if neither of you are saying anything to each other then my my mo- my sort of yeah my mental model is that i'm not providing value to them and it's like oh man four seconds and no value oh clock's ticking seven seconds i haven't provided any value <laughs> uh, so it's it's that kind of thing and i think that's what makes it uncomfortable because then it's like okay uh i guess we have no more value to provide to each other and yeah we should move on yeah i can see um see what you're saying um i think Naturally, what you say is, is also right, Ali. Some, some with some people, you're going to have a better flow conversation. I think that's just what, what's going to happen a lot of times. But um, at the same time, as this is what I was saying before. If you're going to feel like you're forced to say something, then that can actually worsen a conversation in my eyes, um, and feel like you're just throwing out random topics because you feel like you want to add value. And this is when you get those those cliche scenarios where. Someone says, oh, nice weather we're having. Oh, <laughs> what do you think of it? And then someone just thinks, this guy's the worst. <laughs> and they just want to leave the conversation. Yeah, I've actually had that loads of times where there's like a lull in the conversation. And this is in real life or over text or whatever. And I feel like the need to fill it. And I fill it by saying something really stupid or something that leads down like a, a non-productive path of conversation that ends up with me landing my foot in my mouth. Uh, and I always worry in those situations, I probably come across like a complete knob, but it really was just because I wanted to, <laughs> to fill the silence, you know? <laughs> so actually these days, because I've started thinking so much about this awkward silence thing, and I think a lot of my friends have as well. I can remember a few weeks ago, I was at some birthday dinner and I was, I was, I was, chat- I was chatting with someone who I see maybe once every few weeks. And it started off fairly natural. We were talking about whatever topic was currently on the table. And then there was that lull. And then he came out with, so Ali, how's, how's work? And kind of had a, had a bit of a smile on his face because everyone at that point knew that this was a gap filler sentence. <laughs> and I kind of laughed. I was like, oh, you know, it's fine. Same old, same old. And I kind of worried afterwards that maybe I came across as a bit, as a bit of a knob because to me, uh, th- the meta of the conversation was that the fact that he asked that question was funny and that we were, we were able to share in this moment of awkwardness. But perhaps that's not what he was thinking at all. Perhaps he was just like genuinely asking me how work was. And I, and I, would, I just kind of gave him a flippant answer. Just, just kind of maybe he felt I was kind of taking the piss. I don't know. Yeah, I guess like it's, I mean, it's a two-way thing, right? There could be a silence and one person can think it's really awkward and be really uncomfortable and someone else can think it's totally fine. Um, so like I've definitely been in situations where I've just met someone new and I assume they're like, I guess the same level, I I don't like the whole introversion, extroversion thing, but let's just say I assume they're the same level of like extroversion or introversion as I am. Um, and so if there's a silence, I would feel awkward, but if they turn out to be someone who's significantly more introverted than I am, they generally be pretty comfortable with the silence. Um, and so I think I'm in that situation, I'm feeling awkward and they're perfectly fine. So it's definitely like a two-way street. So it seems like in your case, Ali, 
uh, with this guy who asked you how's work. Maybe he w- he probably had no meta conversation running through his head. He probably just wanted to know how. I wonder how Ali's work's going, <laughs> and you were like not overthinking all of this, <laughs> um, and you felt kind of awkward about it for no reason, right? Yeah, that may well have been what happened. So I I I think one thing that's worth exploring is like what are the situations in which silences between two people aren't awkward? So I think certain situations that come up for me are like, if I think if there's like a big age difference between the two people, then it's like fine, no one cares. So we were in Pakistan uh, a few months ago for like a wedding. And at one point, I don't know how this happened, but basically we were staying with our aunt. Everyone else had left the house to do, I don't know, God knows what. Uh, and some like auntie, grandma type of person who I'd met when I was super young, came in to like meet everyone and literally no one else was home. And so I had to sit with this auntie grandma type uh, for probably about 20 minutes, just the two of us in the living room. Oh man, that sounds excruciating. Um, look, I thought I, I was, <laughs> yeah, I, I was really terrified. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> uh, I, I, I started making some conversation. It was, I mean, look, the thing is, I, I'm I'm almost certain she did not care at all about like this whole conversation thing between me and her. You know, I'm pretty sure her model of this whole thing was really different, and she she just doesn't care about like my opinion of our conversation or, or whatever. And so in my head, I initially felt really awkward, but then I thought, nah, she definitely does not care in the slightest. So like, I assumed that she was fine with it, and then I was fine with it. Yeah, I I guess it all depends on um, how badly you're craving another person's attention. <laughs> if it's just, wow. the, I mean, an auntie, you know, their family, you know, it, it's a more chill environment. But um, I think it's always more painful when you're trying to impress other person, and that's especially true for an attractive girl. Let's say <laughs> uh, you try, you try, want to try and make it work between you two in the conversation, but you feel so lame. <laughs> We've all been there. We've all been there. Yeah, it's a, that's a common scenario. <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, w- with this old grandma auntie lady, I wonder if she did have a similar mental have 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 that mental model that you're describing. So because often for me, when I'm like, even if I'm talking to kids and there's a lot in the conversation, I kind of feel that I should be able to, you know, carry that conversation through and make the kid feel comfortable enough in my presence that we you know, the the conversation is able to be able to be uh what's the word productive in a way so even when there is a massive age gap i still don't like sitting there with a kid i like to be able to try and engage the kid in conversation because i know that they're not going to put any effort into it because they're they're clearly not thinking about it (laughs) but i guess i I, I guess you feel it's not it wasn't really the same for your grandma lady i get what you mean with the kids uh i think like where if it's a situation where it's like someone like you or me and it's i don't know some kid between age 10 to 18 or whatever then sort of naturally the older person would be expected to like lead the conversation or whatever right but i think with me and the grandma auntie type i mean we're both like adults and stuff i don't think there's like a i don't think there's like a level difference there but i think the age difference is just so significant that you're not really engaging as peers almost uh and so yeah, I don't know. I, I, I didn't feel awkward eventually in that situation because I didn't think she felt awkward. But if I thought she felt awkward for whatever reason, I would have felt really awkward. 
Okay, yeah, I can I can get on board with that. Um, so we're, when you were saying what situations are there in which silences feel comfortable, uh, something that immediately came to mind was car journeys, uh, where you're both in a long car journey, facing in the same direction, not necessarily looking at each other. Silences then are completely, completely natural. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. Um, and usually you're in a car, in a long car journey with someone you already know quite well. And I think with people like that in general, in general, you're going to be just more comfortable with sinuses when you, when you're close. When you're close to someone, like sinuses aren't awkward anymore. Um, I think that's an obvious thing we're, we're, uh, we should talk about. Okay, yeah, I take your point that like clearly when you're with someone that you're more comfortable around, the sinuses are going to be less awkward. But but even so, I think there is something to the car journey dynamic. For example, um, I've driven lots of people up and down the country on wilderness medicine expeditions. Often these have been people that I have never met prior to them coming in a car journey with me. And the conversation has always has, has, has never felt like it's had awkward silences. So what is it about the, the context of a car journey that makes silences inherently less awkward than, for example, if you were sitting across and facing one another? I suppose part of it is the fact that you're facing the same direction rather than facing each other i wonder well, i wonder if there's anything else to it i've got it it's low optionality shout out to episode three i believe the thing about a car journey is you know that you're both stuck in this car together for the next you know one to five hours i don't know how long your world medicine trips take um and so the silences aren't awkward i think because you there's no pressure for you guys to provide value to one another through conversation immediately because like you're po- you're doing this sort of shared activity together of being in this car, um, and so that's that's kind of taken care of the I don't know the that's like the primary purpose of what's going on, um, and so it's not as if oh I need to be talking to them otherwise they they're getting bored or something or they need to talk, be talking to me otherwise I'm getting bored or it, it doesn't really feel like that because there is a primary purpose to what you are doing and so I feel like any kind of shared activity like for example. If you're playing video games together, right? I think video games are really nice to sort of, yeah, to keep the primary thread o- occupied. So it's like, oh yeah, we're playing this video game together. Um, but often in like these video game car journey kind of scenarios, it does lead to like really good conversation because the pressure is kind of off because you're already doing this activity that like provides value to both of you. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering, maybe actually doing activities with other people it's an interesting thought just came into my head maybe it's actual activities that make people come closer together instead of forcing a conversation um and maybe this is a a good way if someone wants to get around these awkward silences and want to let's say have a a party like today where not everyone knew each other um like ali you made us you know you didn't make us but you suggested we play a game of articulate it was towards the end of the evening and i felt like everyone was really bonding at that point I mean, that's just a good lesson about all this. Um, just, you know, <laughs> provide activities for, for people and they will naturally bond. So one anxiety I always have about the, hey, everyone, let's play Articulate thing, because even though I absolutely love Articulate, I, I'm, I'm, I'm always semi-concerned that, oh, you know, maybe these, these guys are having fun just kind of talking to each other. And maybe if I suggest that we do this group activity of playing Articulate together, it'll kind of take away from, from the bonding experience. So I don't know, like, how, how did you feel that went down today? Because I thought that the conversation was had come to a lull generally amongst the whole group of 15 people. So I was like, hey, guys, why don't we just play Articulate? And it seemed like everyone was fairly on board with that suggestion. 
Yeah, I think it's all about timing. Um, and I think you timed it quite well. Um, we, we all, you know, got to know each other. It wasn't, it wasn't just, oh, no conversation, just straight to articulate as soon as you walk through the door. <laughs> so uh, just for the record, there have been situations where Ali's <laughs> done that. Like people have come over w- without even giving them a chance to sit down, get comfortable chat. It's been like, all right, let's play this game. Well, let's play the hat game. <laughs> they haven't even taken their shoes off. They just come, <laughs> yeah. come straight to the living room. <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah, well, I think today it was done in a, in a very classy way. Um, it's done well um and i i think again the the actual the awkward silences um were a necessary part of the beginning of interacting with with each other i think they actually decreased a lot more in frequency um towards the end um and i think that's just that's when you know that's when you're you're warmed up you need some social warming up and the conversations are starting to flow better um and I think it's if you if you don't worry about them too much, you just accept that they will happen, then um, you actually become more comfortable with them. I think. I've got something here, and I think it, I think it relates to yeah. I think it ties together this scenario of like why the articulate game felt good this evening, and also why other situations feel comfortable. I think I think it's about the group of people. They need to feel like they've been part of something together, and so for example, this evening. I think there was a, I mean, towards at, at the start of the evening, you know, it was, it was really good and stuff, but I think ev- I, I could sense that no, everyone wasn't entirely comfortable with one another, but after like the meal and after some tea and stuff, there was like a noticeable change in like the, the vibe in the room. And it just felt like everyone was much more comfortable with one another. And I think it was because by that point it had been cemented that like we were all part of something together. Um, it maybe it was like the meal experience or maybe it was just like we'd spent enough time together to be like a cohesive group or something but I think there's also other situations where I, I think this comes back to activities like you were saying Omar like for example if you play I don't know if you play like some sports game with someone uh, or with a group of people and then you hang out after, afterwards versus hanging out first and then playing sports I think playing sports first and then hang out afterwards is really good because the sports thing kind of makes the group feel like they've been part of they're part of this group and and they've been through something together and then the hangout afterwards is really relaxed everyone's really comfortable loosened up whereas going straight into the hanging out it you, you don't feel like you've come together as a group yet and so it's not the same vibe of comfortableness i think that's a really good point so activity followed by the dinner rather than dinner followed by the activity i'll keep that in mind next time i i go on a date nice yeah um i think I think it's worth talking about this awkward silence stuff because I think I think an, an amazing place to reach in your relationship with someone is if you can have comfortable silences together. Um, because I think at that point, it's like, there's something really nice about comfortable silences. And I think it's it's that you don't need to be, it's like an if a silence is comfortable, it's an acknowledgement that you don't need to be talking to one another in order to provide value to one another. Like yeah. just and like in like in a way the 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 very fact that they are there is enough value. It's like all the value you need. Yeah, exactly. And it's like it's like yeah. The I think it's the ultimate achievement of human connection, where just like being in the same physical space as someone else is valuable for both of you, even if you're not saying anything. And I think that's like the best place to reach in a relationship. Uh, and I'd love to be able to like accelerate getting to that point with someone. You know. The one thing I've found uh, to accelerate that point is, 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 is to arrange what I like to call hybrid chills, um, which is 
which was a big thing back in my university days and i'm 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 trying to uh, i'm trying to make these things have a comeback essentially where you get a group of people together it can even it, it can it can even just be two people you get some people together and you're all doing your own work but you're doing it in the same room as one another so in a way you're getting the the social value from the fact that you've got proximity to other people but you're all doing your own thing and occasionally you might chat and I, fi- I found that whenever I've invited people to these hybrid chills, sort of new people to the group, people who ha- haven't necessarily been hanging out extensively with us before, it's it, it's always felt a lot more comfortable. It's always felt like they're a lot more part of the family than than they were beforehand. I don't know if you guys have had any any similar experiences. Yeah, I, I remember struggling in many modules in university <laughs> due to due to this uh, kind of um, vibe in the library where you would. Um, just end up chatting with everyone. You, you, it, it would start off like that. I think it's a very good point because it is, it is basically a more relaxed environment. You have a, you have a primary distraction. I think that's the, the, the best way of putting it. Um, you don't feel like you have to make a conversation because you always have something, have something to fall back onto. But obviously in a social um, a gathering, like in a party, the conversation is the main event. So um <laughs> So obviously, you feel like you have to you have to keep it going. Otherwise, why are you there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I th- I think we're on something here. It's it's this ha- it's having this like primary thread to keep the uh, the social. Uh... <laughs> yeah, and like even when you're you know if it's if it's just two people at dinner with one another, you often notice that when whenever there's a silence. You've got the the primary activity of eating your food <laughs> or taking a drink from a glass of water or whatever other beverage you're consuming, which gives you time to kind of, you know, have a bit of a sip, have a bit of a gulp, <laughs> maybe wipe your mouth with your serviette a little bit and then launch into the next bit of conversation. So, yeah, I think there definitely is something to this primary primary distractor theory. <laughs> yeah, hi- hybrid chill is a good term. I like uh, driving... A uh, long road trip probably counts as a hybrid chill. Playing video games while hanging out, I guess, is a hybrid chill, you know? I actually, I wanted to go back to what you said, Ali. Um, I want to know what, what you guys do when you feel really nervous. Obviously, when people are nervous, they fidget. They take more sips from their drink. <laughs> they eat their food a little bit more quick. Um, but what's, what, what happens when you don't have anything to... Um, to fidget around with, you have no pockets to put your hands into. There's, there's no uh, food to nibble on or uh, no drink. How? What do you guys do with that kind of body language? I always feel really awkward in those situations. I don't know about you guys. So for me, whenever I have those those situations, what I what I firstly try and think of in my mind is that if I'm finding this awkward, then the other person is finding it awkward as well. And that takes some of the anxiety away from it. It takes it away from me. Like, you know, as 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 you said, Tame. Uh, it, it it takes it away. It takes it away a little from being a case of I have to be the one providing the value to more of this is a shared experience. Um, so that's kind of on a on a mindset level. But then in terms of practical strategies that I use to make conversation with people, which is essentially what we're talking about here, um, I find that uh, there is uh, there's a good phrase that one of our friends had as their like, well, like WhatsApp bio at one point, which is. Which goes along the lines of um, everyone I meet is my better in some way and I can learn from them. Um, and I sort of have that running in the back of my mind. And, and, and therefore, as the conversation is going, I'm, I'm picking up on threads that I am genuinely interested to find out more about. And then I would turn it into, okay, you know, so tell me about this. Like, why did you blah, blah, blah. And 
from those moments of silence, what I tend to do is tend to take the conversation a little bit deeper so I can understand more about the person. And I find that to be quite a nice little exercise. It might turn it into, perhaps some people might say, oh, you're turning it into like an interview format where you're interviewing the other person. But I think in general, people enjoy talking about themselves. People enjoy being asked about, you know, deeper details about their motivations and, and, and stuff that they don't necessarily get to talk about a lot. So that tends to be the way I go down with these conversations. But of course, this tends to only really apply in a one-to-one -one setting or in a small group setting where it's intimate enough. It doesn't really quite work in a cocktail party scenario. I think I think that's a nice like conversation hack. <clears throat> and I definitely do that as well. I think like naturally I'm just like... I, I think often it comes across as me being nosy, but I'm just like really interested in the intimate, not in that way, but you know, the, the intimate parts of other people's lives. But I, I, I actually, I think I'm, I'm going to advocate for not resorting to hacks to fill the lulls, but instead sort of basking in the lull and facing it together and coming through the other side with someone together because so for example two days ago i had dinner with a friend from school uh, i hadn't seen this guy in like five years or something we got on quite well in school um and yeah we had a great evening and there was there was definitely one lull point um at which i that was that was a point where previously i would have probably said oh okay oh man it's pretty late i guess i should go home or something uh like we just finished dinner and we'd been chatting for a while um, but then I thought, oh no, this is the lull. If we can get past this lull together, if I don't like chicken out now, um, then I think we'll be in a really good place. And then, I, and I actually decided that, oh, actually, why don't we get get some dessert? You know, during this lull, I was like, yeah, let's let's hang out some more, despite the fact that on the face of it, we have provided all the value we're going to provide to one another. Um, and after that, it was great. And and actually, after that lull, the conversation took on a much more sort of intimate tone. And it, I think if I'd like resorted to a conversation hack of like oh yeah so tell me more about this specific thing about this thing we talked about then we wouldn't have gotten to the more intimate place and i think in like facing the lull together we got to a better place so what you're saying is you think you have to go through more superficial topics you think before you can get to the intimate uh, parts um instead of just forcing it straight to the intimate stuff what yeah, I, I think you do have to kind of ease into it. I think the, the I, I don't think the intimacy comes out of the topics that you're discussing. I think you can discuss anything in an intimate way. I think the intimacy comes from like this less tangible connection. Uh, this le yeah, this like intangible thing between you. This kind of vibe. I think that's where the intimacy comes from. Um, and I think yeah, getting to that point. And, and there's something quite distinct about that feeling. And I, st I started to feel that towards the end of this dinner party we had tonight. And it's a shame everyone had to leave because they had to get the last train. Because I, I think just after we were playing Articulate, which was basically the end of the night, I think the vibe was getting quite nice and intimate. And I think if people have stuck around for another hour or two, it would have been super nice for everyone. So I think that's a shame. Um, but yeah, I think the, the intimacy is less about the topics of discussion and more about just the general vibe. And speaking of uh, hacks for conversation and intimacy, one thing that I've always advocated is the use of lamps. Like lamplight is a really big factor that makes for a setting just far more intimate than, for example, the harsh light you get on ceilings, which is why ever, you know, ever since first year, I've always had lamps in my room and have almost never turned to turn the lights on. And I feel like given that my room has always been a source of people just hanging out and people being comfortable enough to rock up and just hang out, I think I'd partly attribute that to the lighting. Yeah, I think there's definitely something to that. I think I think there's something about knowing that you're being watched. When when it's like when you're for example facing someone directly in bright lights and you know that both of you can 
see exactly you know, the other person's face. There's something very high pressure about it. And there, there are definitely lots of things that I, that I would, be, would feel more awkward about saying when I know they can see my face while I say it. So I think, I think sleepovers are really, really cool. And if you've, everyone's been to like a sleepover, right? Or like school trips and things where you, you're sharing a room with people. When the lights are off and everyone is kind of, I mean, you don't know where they're facing. But you know what's going on. The lights are off. And the conversation gets really good because it's, it almost stops you from being uptight because you know they can't see your face while you're saying this stuff. And so it's almost like you're more happy to say, to like be more vulnerable because they can't really see you while you're doing it. Um, so I think, yeah, dim lighting or, or like mood lighting definitely helps there. I think it's the same kind of thing of like part of what's going on in the car is you're facing in the same direction, but not at each other. So um, it doesn't feel like you're being watched quite so directly. Um, so I think there's definitely something about that. On the flip side of that, one can say, a lot of people say you don't bond with someone unless you make eye contact and, and eye contact is a way to connect with someone's soul. I've heard that quite a lot, a lot before. I'm not sure if I believe it myself, but it has its time and place, definitely. What do you think about eye contact then, Tame? Yeah, that's true. I, th- I, think, I think you're right. I think there's like, yeah, I think that there's room for both. Eye, t- eye contact is great for, for sort of connecting intimately and also not looking at each other at all is really helps with connecting intimately too so we've talked about uh, so we've talked a fair bit about this idea of of silences what makes them comfortable in terms of the context but i wonder if we can think of anything that makes silences more comfortable uh in terms of the people that we're having those comfortable silences with for example i can think of several friends with whom i would have very comfortable silences but i can equally think of plenty of people who i i've known for just as long who i wouldn't necessarily have comfortable silences with and i wonder what the difference is between sort of person a and person b yeah so actually just last weekend uh i think i was hanging out yeah this was when i went to cambridge to record the podcast with you ali uh we were hanging out with a bunch of friends and for some reason with one of these friends i mean i i didn't know him very well at all but right from the start i i I felt very comfortable being in silence with him whereas with other friends who i've met and known for you know an equally little period of time I wouldn't feel comfortable. There was just, there's just something about some people that puts you at ease. Is, is this what charisma is? is? Is that what that is? My idea is it's probably vulnerability. Maybe some people you know for many years and you don't feel like they've been truly vulnerable to you. That's probably how people connect in the long run. Uh, maybe you guys agree or disagree. Yeah, I think the vulnerability, because uh, uh, like if I think to the people, so for, for example, in, in, in your story, Tame, let's call them, Tom and Dick. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder which one's which in this. <laughs> so with Tom, for example, Tom is a very kind of vulnerable sort of guy. He's like he's he's quite open, sharing his feelings, sharing what you know his his anxieties, stuff like that. Whereas Dick is more of a he's got more of a vibe of you know quite quite a confident guy. I will, I've almost never heard Dick talk about his his own insecurities or things like that. And I wonder if that's what makes makes a difference. Is that the sort of thing that just translates across to making a silence comfortable? I think that's part of it, but I, I mean, in in my in my case, I didn't know Tom or Dick beforehand at all. I had no like preconceived notions of like Dick being really confident out there, or whatever, non-vulnerable, or Tom being vulnerable. There, th- there was literally something about Tom's experience and uh, Tom's appearance, sorry, in this case, that made me feel like the sciences were comfortable. I, I think for some reason, based on his appearance, I inferred that he would be comfortable with the silences. And therefore, I was comfortable with silences. Appearance might be a bit too shallow. It's probably appearance plus like body language and things like that, which is really hard to to pin down. Um, But I don't think it's the vulnerability thing. 
So can you give us any examples of, of this body language or appearance that you're talking about? Yeah, so I mean, I've had it, I've had it in the past as well. I, I remember a few years ago at university, I was sort of, uh, I was like one of the organizers of some like event and I was greeting people as they came through the door. And so I'd like greet people, say hi, like make some random small talk or something. Um, and with most of these people, I don't know, it felt fine, whatever. But there was this one particular guy that like just from the way he like shook my hand and said hi and greeted me, I immediately felt at ease with him and I felt like I would definitely be comfortable being in silence with this dude. Whereas with most people, it wasn't like that. It's really hard to describe. Um, I th I think it comes back to this thing about feeling watched, you know? I think when some, when some people, when you, when you interact with some people or meet some people, it feel it can feel like really direct. It can feel like they're greeting you very directly and stuff. And this is fine. This this is not a slight on those people at all. Um, and I, I'm sure I might well come across that way too. But with some people, it can it just feels like less of a direct thing. I, I don't know if I'm making any sense. I think I, I get what you're saying. Maybe some people you interact with feel um, very judgmental, um, whilst others are a bit more warm, perhaps, and you feel like they they accept you. As, your, as as who you are for your character i don't know i think that's that's a little harsh i think that, <laughs> that judgmental and like this guy accepts me for my character is quite an inference to make from someone just saying hi to you but i think it is possible to reach this comfortable silence thing with certain people just after they say hi to you so again on the note of conversational hacks there was something i came across many many years ago that i've since been using very often and that relates to this idea of of tonality when asking questions so, for example, if you've got people who are very comfortable with, with each other, firstly, people who are comfortable with, with each other tend to talk in statements rather than questions. Like, you tend not to hear amongst friends who've known each other for years, oh, so how was your day? It's, it's not the sort of question that I say. People would just say, say a statement that comes into their mind and, and would, would, would run with that for the conversation. But equally, when it comes to people that you don't know very well... Um, one, one signal that gives that away is the, the, the upflexion of the of, of, of intonation at the end of a question. So for example, if Tame, I didn't know you very well, I'd be like, oh, so Tame, what's, what's going on in your life? Or, you know, uh, how, so uh, what do you do? You know, stuff like that. Whereas apparently what I came across in some book about charisma is that the way to do it to make people feel more comfortable is to go down in intonation at the end. We're like, oh, so, oh, so how's it going? And then that completely changes the game because you're like, oh my God, this is next level. <laughs> That's amazing. Like when you said, oh, so how's it going? <laughs> that was, that was awesome. That was really good. Oh, really? <laughs> I've never actually had this conversation with someone like actually explaining the meta behind this. But, uh... Dude, I don't, know if you, I don't know if the mic caught it, but I visibly gasped sort of involuntarily <laughs> when you said that because it just sounded so, so good. Yeah, so that, that's, kind of what, <laughs> that's kind of what came to mind when he said this thing about how as soon as this guy pretty much said, oh, hey, man, how's it going? How, how he said that to you that made you realize that, oh, so silence with this guy would be comfortable. Yeah, I think the way you said that um, you asked the question a second time made you sound a lot less needy. <laughs> having, having, the, having the high pitched tone at a beer, you're like, oh, how's it going? Hey, okay, please be my friend. Yeah, be my friend. And that was like, sounds like a normal guy you can just chill with. It just sounds more chill. Yeah, I suppose that's the kind of vibe I'm going for, just to appear not needy. <laughs> so maybe that's what makes silence more comfortable with people, where, you know, <laughs> you're doing what you can to appear not needy. You know, I don't need your attention, but it's fine. You know, we can just have a nice chat. I feel like. This, this may or may not be a conversation hack. I don't really know what you guys mean when you say these <laughs> terms, but uh, um, I, I find if you, yeah, a classic one is just if you just keep smiling at people, they'll 
be more keen to talk to talk, save things about themselves. Oh, uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, it's true. I think I think it's very true. No, no, don't say don't do it in like a weird way. Don't just yeah, smile no, there are ways to do this. I'm sure that I've yeah, heard but, <laughs> but um, yeah, I guess just being more friendly will um, cause people to open up themselves some some people if you if you if you give off it's all about giving giving off certain vibes if you give off bad vibes people won't naturally want to talk about themselves that is a way to get, uh, cause conversation to flow but um yeah you gotta you gotta make them feel comfortable at first yeah i agree but then like it's it's very easy to eat. it's very easy to say that oh you know just give off good vibes or just smile a bit more but you know, especially that this is a podcast about not overthinking things. <laughs> I wonder, <laughs> I wonder if you can think of any any practical. So, I, I suppose when, when we say conversational hacks, we mean practical things that you can apply to your life right now that will make an immediate an, an immediate difference to the way you interact with with people. Yeah, by by hack in general, I think we mean this isn't anything that deepens your understanding of the issue, but it'll like get you around the issue. <laughs> Oh, okay, fair enough. Um, I didn't. I didn't know that. Um, so may, maybe here's one then for you. Um, if you want people to talk about themselves, it's to make it less interview uh, like when you're asking questions about them, just make guesses about them. Say, I, I say, I look. I look at you. I think, oh wow, you look like someone's very intelligent. Um, you. <laughs> All right, prob- probably <laughs> don't say that. <laughs> In a less sarcastic tone, maybe. But um, yeah, you say, oh, you look. You look like you. Um, <laughs> You look like you go to gym or something. I don't know. Well, if someone is very muscular, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I think you're onto something here. I think you you, you chose four examples. I think I think the on the spot <laughs> I've struggled to find examples, but you guys get the the vibe. Yeah, I th- I think actually the making statements about the other person rather than directly asking questions is really good, because, I mean, obviously when we when we meet someone new or when we we're talking to someone, we have certain impressions of them, like we make certain inferences about what they might be like. And usually in, I guess, civil society, you don't vocalize (laughs) those inferences. You don't say, oh, actually, when I look at you, I I, I kind of get the impression you're like this. Um, And so, I mean, without being rude, of course, if you can't, if you are just like really real with them about like, oh man, you see, you seem like you would have been, you know, the the jock at school or something like that, you know, or like you, you seem like you would have (laughs) been... The jock at school. <laughs> have, have you ever said that to anyone? <laughs> All right, look. Oh, I'm sorry for calling you out earlier. It's actually really hard to think of these examples. <laughs> so, uh, so um, on a similar note, before I went into university, like you know, in in between year thirteen and first year of university, I decided to read a lot of books about how to make friends because I was super super concerned that I wouldn't be able to make any friends at university. I've since understood that this is a universal concern and not just me because I'm I'm weird. Um, but one of the things I came up with that I came across was this very idea that make statements about people rather than asking questions. And so when I was meeting new people in like freshers events, what I do is be like, oh, let me guess, you look like a geography student or, or, or things like that. And and people be like, oh, you know, why, why do you think I look like a geography student? And it, it automatically makes for a more interesting conversation than what subject are you doing? What college are you at? Um, so like th- uh, I, c- I can remember I th- I think you look like a law student is quite a neutral and not as as in so, so you know so some people might take offense at being labeled a geography student or a mathematician god forbid Nightmare. but but being labeled a, a law student is you know tends to be like oh you know what gives you that vibe yeah i guess being a law student doesn't really a law as a subject doesn't really have any particularly negative or positive associations with it um predictably you've taken the hack approach 
to this particular thing. But I think there is something here about the statements. And I think it's that you are being real with them. Like you have this internal monologue, these internal sets of thoughts that you that usually don't reveal to someone, but you are going out on a limb and revealing your internal monologue to them by saying like what impression you get off them. And so you're being really real um, and authentic with them. And I think that's rare and that's, that's really nice. I, I think you're onto something there, Tame, because that's essentially what happens when people drink alcohol. <laughs> they become uninhibited and say what's on their mind. And um, that's how alcohol creates more social fluidity that's what people that's what happens um and i think at the same time that also can be quite polarizing but um maybe that's what some people would would like anyways they want to um maybe you don't want to get along with every single person you meet maybe it's just not realistic i don't know what you guys think about that but i don't i personally don't mind getting you know trying trying my best with some some people and sometimes you can tell okay let's just move on or maybe come back to them later but yeah, I think speaking what's on your mind is, is makes things a lot more interesting because because having those those same conversations and I, and I think it is we do have the, end up having the same conversation over and over again when you go to these parties. Um, I think it can get very boring very quickly, um, and yeah, maybe that's why that's why I, I feel anyways. Um, I I sympathise with with most of what you're saying, but I think like I, okay, maybe I'm wrong here, but it seems like you're saying you should just be uh uninhibited uninhibitedly real with everyone and some people will get it some people won't like it and that's fine that's just life i I, i'm not sure i agree i think like be as real as you can be while without being rude or impolite or making the other person uncomfortable i I didn't think that's really um a good way to go um so but i yeah I, i agree being real is good uh, I, I would invite you to visit episode three of the podcast, Omar. You haven't listened to a single episode, I know that. Um, where, but yeah, I, I think most people can get on with most people and you don't want to like... Just so you guys know, I had no idea there's, there's a podcast being recorded today. <laughs> I, I came to, to this party, uh, I, Ali invited me to stay over <laughs> and I didn't realize that I was, I was going to be, um, you know, you know, trapped <laughs> and... Uh, I've been, I've been, um, it's, it's good fun. It's good fun so far. It's, yeah. I, I think the only reason fun. Ali invited 15 people was because statistically at least one of them would be spending the night and we'd be able to rope them into a podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a, it's interesting to say the least. Um, but no, I, I, I think, I don't know. I, I still, I still stand by this idea that, um, eventually having the same conversation over and over again can get very boring. I'm with you there. I, I haven't yeah. disagreed with you at all. Yeah. I think yeah. everyone agrees on that. Yeah. What, what do you think, Ali? I mean, to be honest, I was just thinking that uh, <laughs> I actually had no idea 15 people would show up. I just sent the same copied and pasted message to like five different WhatsApp groups. And whoever turns up, turns up. And I think that, you know, completely, completely off tangent, completely on a different tangent. I think this is a good way to approach event invitations. Like, you know, there were two of my closest friends, uh, the person I live with and her boyfriend um, who couldn't make it tonight. And my mom was like, oh, how do you feel about that? And I was, I, 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 I found that to be quite a weird question because, you know, obviously I'm completely indifferent about that because, you know, they can't make it. That, that's absolutely fine. It's no reflection on me. It's just that they, they had other plans. That's fine. Um, so, yeah, I just want to throw it out there that having, you know, outcome independence when it comes to inviting people to events is a very good thing and not taking it personally if certain people don't show up to your to your special event. Uh, I wasn't really following the, the thread of the conversation between you guys. I apologize. More power to you, man. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, perhaps we can wrap up. Um, so we've talked a little bit about comfortable silences. We've talked about some of the contexts that make 
silences more comfortable. So we've said things like having a shared activity to do, for example, driving to a destination or playing golf together or playing video games together. And we talk, we, we've also, it sounds like we've talked a little bit about about features of people that make silences with them more comfortable. We've talked about you know, a few conversational hacks, things like, you know, the down intonation in your voice when you're making a statement rather than asking a question. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm quite proud of the way I did that personally. Very good. Thank well you. Well done. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, and we've talked about, you know, obviously just generally knowing someone better will make silences a bit more comfortable. So I guess we'll put the question out to you guys. Um, please, can you drop us an email and let us know if you have any a, conversational hacks that on a surface level will help you connect with people more to maybe have more comfortable silences. But secondly, perhaps if you have any thoughts about kind of kind of taking these things a bit deeper as Tamor likes to do and speak to the, the, the underlying underlying mechanism behind these conversational hacks. Because it's, it's very easy to say that, you know, when asking a question, you want to go down at the end rather than up at the end. But, you know, I, I think it's, it's perhaps more interesting to explore why that's the case. Yeah, I think I think one thing that I'd love to get your thoughts on, listeners, is I, I don't th- I don't think we've made much headway into why certain people immediately put you at ease and you feel like you'd be comfortable in silence with them versus other people. And so it'd be really interesting to hear like your experiences of people you've met where you've immediately felt at ease and why you think that might be. I think we haven't really made much progress there. So just before we, we wrap up, Omar, I wonder if we could get your thoughts. Given that you have had zero exposure to things like, you know, uh, speaking on a podcast or having your own YouTube channel, things like that. How d- how did you feel about how recording this podcast episode went? Being completely real. Just remember you're staying the night here tonight. <laughs> right. Um, so guys, right now they have a gun to my head. <laughs> Send for help. No, um, it, feels, it feels really awkward, actually. It feels really weird <laughs> because um, it's just three guys sitting around a table. There's, we have a cheese board in front of us. <laughs> And, uh, right. <laughs> don't mention stuff like that. We've, we've had issues with these kinds of things in the past on this podcast. All right, I don't know what happened with the cheese board in the past, but yeah, um, I actually, I don't really. It feels strange because I don't know how many people I'm talking to right now. How many listeners do you guys have? Maybe three or four. Three or four <laughs> listeners. Okay, um, that makes it a lot less nerve wracking. But obviously, if you guys have like thousands of listeners, I feel. I feel like I'm uh, I'm not I'm not a pro at this, and um, maybe it's not to the same quality that you guys always keep it to. Um, no man, I, I don't think, know. I think I think the quality has uh, gone immeasurably higher because of you being here. So thanks a lot. I'm. How do you feel about like putting yourself out there in this way? Is is it something you've done much of in the past, like putting content online with your name on it or anything like that? Uh, to be honest, no, uh, never. And I've always found it intriguing, the idea of having, like, haters, lots and lots of haters just visible as comments. You can see it right there and then in your face. I, I could find that, I would find that really interesting, see how you'd react to that, um, as you know, see how resilient you are as a, as a personality. Um, do you guys get a lot of haters yourself? Uh, I think Ali can probably answer this, seeing as he's the, uh, the famous YouTuber. Um, yeah, oh, sorry, that's me. I was just munching on a carrot stick there. Uh, yeah, famous YouTuber. Um... So actually, I think this this hater thing is a big concern of everyone. Like that, that tends to be one of the first few questions I get when people are like, oh, you have a YouTube channel. The first one tends to be, oh, do you make money off it? The next question tends to be, depending on how well they know me, how much money do you make off it? And the third question, <laughs> and the third question always tends to be, oh, do, you know, what are the comments like? Do you get a lot of hate? Because obviously YouTube comments are supposed to be a cesspool of hate. But actually, 
I mean, for the stuff that, that I do, for the stuff that we do on this podcast, we don't really get any hate at all. I mean, occasionally I'll get a few comments being like, oh, you speak too fast, which I'll be like, all right, fine, fair enough, fair play, lock me up, Your Honor. But for the most part, it's like, oh, thank you so much. You've helped me get through my exams. So I think depending on the sort of stuff you're putting out there, this whole hate thing is, is a lot more hyped than perhaps it needs to be. But I suppose it does depend on the kind of content you put out there. Do you think you're going to get much hate for being on this podcast, Omar? Um. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> It'd be interesting to, to see some a bit of hate. I think. <laughs> uh, I think it would just be um, interesting to see how people what people think of this podcast. Um, uh, it's just something new for me, and that's what makes it interesting. Um, and I think it, this must be very satisfying, you know, creating something like this and putting yourself out there. Um, yeah, I don't know what else to say, really. So one thing I'm curious about, which I was I was going to ask you about afterwards, but while we're recording this, I might as well ask you right here. To what extent do you feel performance anxiety by being a guest on this podcast? It's 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 weird. It's it's like I used to be more afraid of public speaking um, in my earlier days when it was a new skill for me. I feel like that old anxiety has come back a little bit here, <laughs> if I'm being honest. But at the same time, there's a strange comfort with all us. Just it's us, just us three around a table um and you guys are just you know chatting casually it's not it's kind of it's quite relaxed and i think no no one's watching it comes back to the fact that no one is watching if if there if there were if all three or four of our listeners were here watching us i'd be a lot more awkward and uptight but it comes back to this thing about being more comfortable when you're not being watched yeah i i feel like i feel like yeah being in a podcast you can you learn to be relaxed really quickly um and in that way, it's it's a very um, amazing uh, platform for sharing your ideas because you're in a more relaxed environment, you're in, in your home, um, and you can just casually talk to each other. No one's watching your face, as you said, yeah. So, yeah. That sounds like a great note to end on. Um, Omar, thanks a lot for, for joining us. It's been great having you on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Shall we end with a funny thing or insight of the week? Ali, what have you got for us this week? So one thing that really cracked me up this week to uh, a probably disproportionate uh, a, a disproportionate degree, um, you know, in Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, when uh, it's Dudley's birthday and he and uh, he comes downstairs and he sees all the presents and he's like, "How many are there?" And then Vernon goes, "36." Counted them myself. Thirty-six. Last year I had thirty-seven. Um, so is that, that that shrieking the word thirty-six out? Which is something that me and my housemate Molly just kept on doing back and forth to each other. I think it it came about in the context of I, I think she, like she she was telling a story or something, and we were talking about a patient's temperature, and she said oh, the patient's temperature was thirty-six, I, and I immediately blurted out with thirty-six. <laughs> And she immediately knew where the reference was from. And then we, we were trying to come up with other places where you can have a similar reference. So now anytime, and we were trying to brainstorm, like, what sort of blood tests would feasibly have a value of 36? For example, you know, you know, someone's alkaline phosphatase could feasibly have a value of 36 or their ALT, their alanine transaminase or things like that. So now I'm going to keep in mind that for the next few months, pretty much for the, for, for the rest of my life, whenever I see a 36 on a, a temperature chart or on a blood test, I'm going to shriek, 36! And I hope that people around me are going to get the reference i think the nurse is going to think you're absolutely crazy <laughs> we might have to report you <laughs> but that's also hilarious all right i can't top that so let's leave it there thanks a lot for listening and see you next week